good and gracious King, we come to you humbly realizing that we don't deserve that goodness. We don't deserve your grace. But you choose to give it to us. You choose to allow us to experience it. No matter, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter how many times we sin against you, you still continue to pour out your grace and your mercy in our lives. And we say thanks. Though I think saying thank you is not enough. It doesn't even really begin to scratch the surface of what we owe you. But God, thank you that you don't treat us according to what we owe you. You treat us according to your grace and mercy. And so God, I pray that you would move us, challenge us, motivate us, help us to see that serving you is the greatest thing that we can do with our life. And God, that, that in living for you, you bless. And you bless in ways that we can't even begin to see or even think about. And yet, Lord, we know that this life is difficult. This life has trials. This life has many, many hardships in it. But thank you that you've promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. And that even in this moment, your desire is to speak into our life. Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to want to listen? And to put it into practice in our life. God, thank you. Thank you that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only did he die, but he rose again, is alive today, and offers to us life. God, help us to want that life. Help us to accept that life. And walk in relationship with you. Thank you that you are a good and gracious king. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1981, the movie Chariots of Fire was the uh, movie of the year in 1981. And it was based on a real-life person, Eric Liddell, and, uh, and told uh, his story. He was a, a man who was training for the Olympics, specifically for the 100-meter Dash and uh, was expected to do really, really well in that uh, that race in the 1924 uh, Olympic Games in Paris. Before that race happened, it the schedule came out of when it was going to be run, and uh, comes to find out that that it was going to be scheduled for Sunday. Eric Liddell was someone who loved Jesus wanted to live for Jesus, was completely sold out in wanting to strive to honor and glorify him, and had set aside the Lord's Day, had set aside Sunday as a day to worship and to glorify God, and that he would not run on Sunday. And so he withdrew from that race. He withdrew from that race and was willing to lay aside the Olympics, willing to walk away from that race because he wanted to honor, he wanted to glorify God. And, and to much criticism, many of those who were praising him were now criticizing him because of his choice to not run on Sunday. Well, as it, as it came to be, a, another race, the 400-meter race, 
a runner dropped out of that race, and Eric Liddell said, hey, I'll, I'll run. I'll run that race if that's all right, and they allowed him to participate in that. This is not a race that he trained for. This is not something that he was even anticipating. He filled the slot. He ran the race, and it was during the week, and as he ran the race, he pulled out in front and ended up winning the gold medal for the 1924 Olympics in the 400 meters. Eric's desire was to honor God. Eric's desire was to be resolute in his stand for God, not to be unswerving, not, not, to, not to have anything be able to change what God had laid on his heart to be something that he would stand for. And no matter the cost, he was willing to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. This would continue to play out in his life. Is after the Olympics, he went to China as a missionary. And in 1945, he was arrested and put into a prison camp. And in 1945, he lost his life in that prison camp. But Eric lived his life for God. Eric gave his life for God. He was willing to do whatever God had called him to do. Why? Because he was resolute about his love and his desire to glorify God. Like Daniel, as we've been studying in Daniel chapter 1 and looking at Daniel's life, Daniel and Eric and many countless others have realized the truths that we've been talking about. Number one, that God is in control. God is in control. Have you told yourself that again? Have you, told, have you reminded yourself of that lately, that God is in control? Even when everything around us seems to be out of control or seems to be getting worse and worse, God is still in control. And we need to remind ourselves, God is in control. He has not advocated his throne. He still is the king of kings. He still is the Lord of lords. He still is the one who puts leaders in their positions of leadership. God is the one that's in control. And we need to remind ourselves of that. And because God is in control, it also means that, number two, his word is truth. That God's word is truth. When we look at the word of God, when we hear the word of God, it is truth for our lives. It will happen as God says it will happen. He will do what he says he will do. He will keep his promises. And he will bring about blessing in our life. And he will also bring about judgment in our life based on whether or not we will obey him or whether we will disobey him. God's word is truth. Because God's word is truth, we find out what matters to God from his word. And what matters to God should always matter to me. If I read something from God's word, realizing God is in control, knowing that God's word is truth, and I realize that something is, this is an important thing to God, it must be important to me, it must matter to me. And these individuals, they believe that. And it drove them to live a purposed, resolute life for God. The beauty is, is that you and I can also live a resolute life for God today. 
same God that Daniel served, the same God that Eric served, the same God that, that so many in the word of God served is the same God today who wants you to serve him, who wants you to live for him. Our memory verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's God's call in our life. Be steadfast, be resolute, be immovable, be resolute, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we? Are we? Are we being resolute? Are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Are we striving to live our lives for God? And the question that we've been asking is, how can I? How can I be resolute for God? How can I make a difference for him in our world today? Last week, we began talking a little bit of that, of that how. By by deciding what battles are we going to fight what hills are we going to defend choosing them wisely being wise in what we battle for and what we defend and knowing that it's got to be something that God is a part of if God's not a part of it then we should not be a part of it if God's not standing for it if it's not something that matters to God we've got to ask ourselves are we fighting the right battles are we choosing the right hills to die on And that matters to God. It matters to God what battles we fight. It matters to God what hills we choose to die on. But it's not just those hills. It's not just the battles that matter to God. It also matters to God how we go about doing that. And i got to be honest, as I look at our world today, as I look at the United States, the churches in the United States are not doing well at fighting the battles that God is calling us to fight. And this matters to God. And we need to do better, much better at standing our ground for God and battling for God, but in a way that honors and glorifies Him, not tears His name down, but builds His name up. And as we look at Daniel chapter 1 once again, and I encourage you to turn there, Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in verses 8 and read through verse 21. I I believe we're going to see how Daniel fights this battle because he fights a battle. He chooses a hill that matters to God. He chooses to die on that. He chooses to live this out in his life. But there's some things that he does that we can see from these verses that can help us as well as we strive to live for him. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the other youths who are of your own age? He makes this interesting statement. So you would endanger my head with the king? 
Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So the steward listened to them in this matter, tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So there's some things that Daniel does here that I believe are extremely practical for us. But what is it that Daniel does? How does he go about fighting this battle? How does he go about defending this hill? I believe the way that he does that, I I like acronyms. People that know me know that. And so I'm going to use this word today because it's exactly what Daniel does and has as he's fighting it. And it's the word tact. Tact. T-A-C-T. And it's defined as a keen sense of what to do or say to maintain good relations with others or avoid offense. It's really his character. It's really his character that's on display. It's really his character that's being lived out. And and that's what we need to come to understand today is that your character matters to God. Your character matters to God. How you live your life, how you conduct yourself, how you interact with others, how you act toward others, how you think, how you live matters to God. Who you are matters to God. Your character matters to God. Would you turn to somebody and tell them that? Tell them it. Your character matters to God. If you got somebody, you're not sitting with somebody, then tell yourself that, I guess. My character matters to God. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus is speaking. He says, out of the overflow of your heart, out of the overflow of your character, out of the overflow of how you live, out of the overflow of your life, notice what it says, your mouth speaks. Your character matters to God. And what we see here is Daniel's character on display as he practices tact in his life. First letter, T. T, we're going to make it this, turn to God. It reveals the focus of your character. Notice verse 8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. What was this resolve that he made? He made a choice between he and God. He turned to God. God was the one that was defining his life. God was the one who was directing his actions, his words, his character. He turned to God. Turning to God for Daniel was a first response, not a last resort. 
when you are facing things in your life, when, when stuff comes your way, when things are forced on you, when you're at work or you're this or you're that, wherever you're at, and stuff comes your way and it comes maybe out of left field or, or, or you're, there's a decision that, that you have to make or there's a decision that's being made for you, what is your first response? Is it to turn to God? Or is it, to turn to yourself, to look within, because we can see from Daniel's life that turning to God results in blessing. Now, I want to warn you and, and make sure you hear this straight. Just because you approach life with tact like Daniel doesn't mean it's going to work out just like it does for Daniel. Because if you look on later on in his life, Daniel chapter 6, what does Daniel end up being thrown into? A lion's den. And by the way, he didn't have the rest of the book of Daniel to read and go, oh, God's going to save me from these lions. He's going to shut their mouths and everything's going to be all right. No, he decided to do what he was going to do no matter the cost and even if that meant being thrown into a lion's den. So don't just assume, don't walk out of here and be like, oh, if I put these things into practice, then everything in my life is going to work out just great. No, but your life should not be based on your outcomes or on your circumstances. God is more concerned with forming your character than he is of transforming your circumstances. And just because your circumstances doesn't change doesn't mean God has somehow changed. And now, I don't want to hear anybody say, well, PJ made it sound like my circumstances don't matter to God. That is not what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying at all. God cares deeply about your circumstances, but what he cares deeply more about is your character. How you live in the midst of those circumstances matters more to God than the circumstances of your life. So are you turning to God? This reveals much about the focus of your life. And you know what? Daniel had a really bad example of that in Israel. The nation in which he grew up in. Because at times they would turn to God and there was leaders like Gideon and Joshua and others that they would have known about that turned to God, asked God for direction. And God said some pretty crazy stuff to them. So here's the thing. You turn to God, he might tell you some pretty crazy stuff. Think about Joshua, this big old city that he's going to come up against. And Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around that city. I want you to blow some horns. I want you to yell. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. What? That's nuts. Gideon, facing an army, several hundred thousand men. He has 30,000 men. And what does God say to him? I want you to whittle this down to 300. What? Noah, yeah, I know you're out in the middle of a desert, but I want you to build this really big boat. Oh, yeah, it's going to rain. What's that? It hasn't rained on the earth yet. And I'm in the middle of a desert, and you want me to build a what? So, so 
turning to God is number one. You must, but, but get ready for it. It could be some pretty wild answer you get back. But again, it's not about circumstances. It's about your heart. It's about am I willing to be obedient to God no matter what? Am I willing to do what he wants? And you know what? Israel was a really great example of not turning to God and how God would bring about judgment in their life and calamity in their life. Why? Because they would not turn to God. They chose to go their own way and do their own thing. Can I just tell you, I don't know about you and your life and your circumstances and how this works out in your life, but I know in my life when I turn and go my own way and do my own thing, it never works out well. Oh, it might for a little bit. I might get in front of the person that's driving 35 and a 45. But oftentimes I end up going faster than 45. And you know what ends up being up, uh, sitting off to the side of the road when I'm going 55 and a 45? Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> Turn to God. Letter A. These get difficult, more difficult, by the way. Letter A, attitude. Check your attitude. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Let's put it that way. Reveals the action of your character. See, your attitude is going to be displayed in how you react and what you do. And notice Daniel, he resolves not to eat this food, not to drink this wine. And so what does he do? He asks the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Notice he does not demand. Notice his attitude is not, you will do what I'm telling you to do. And he even, verse 9 God gives him favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And yet, the chief of the eunuchs, verse 10, basically tells Daniel, no. No, I'm not going to do this for you. Why would I want to risk my head for you? And notice how Daniel responds, verse 11. He doesn't stop. He doesn't, he doesn't give up. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't stomp his foot in rebellion. Instead, he goes to the steward. And he tells the steward, hey, test us for 10 days. Here's a legitimate option. Test us for 10 days and see how we look at the end of the 10 days. He, he had an attitude of gentleness, an attitude of respect. N notice how he addresses himself. Verse 12, test your servants. Verse 13, at the very end of the verse, deal with your servants according to what you see. Th th those are statements of respect. He's respecting the authority that has been placed over him. And calling themselves servants. So there's gentleness, there's respect, there's humility, and there's persistence. He doesn't give up. 
He knows what God has called him to do, and he doesn't give up. Even though the chief of the eunuchs has not given him the right answer, the answer that he was hoping for, he goes to the steward and he says, test us. And his attitude is one that is about bringing God the glory. It's not a self-righteous attitude. It's, it's not a rebellious attitude. It's not a, ha ha, see how great I am. I'm obeying God. And so because I'm obeying God, you will do what I want you to do. And you will obey me. And I, I, God is in control. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flaunt my righteousness before you. No, he doesn't do that. Sadly, though, I, I see a lot of people who call themselves followers of Jesus doing that today. Oh, just look how righteous I am. I know Jesus. I, I have a relationship with Jesus. I, I'm the righteous one. You're the unrighteous one. Just remember this. When you force the spotlight on your righteousness, it tends to reveal your sinfulness as well. Keep that in mind. Because Daniel opposed these ungodly orders without being self-righteous or rebellious. Does your attitude reflect your desire to glorify God? Really, another way you could ask it is, does your attitude reflect that you're always right or that you're striving for righteousness? Turn to God. Check your attitude. See careful words. Careful words. These reveal the voice of your character. Notice it doesn't say careless words. Careful words. Not harsh. Not demanding. In the South, when, when my mother-in-law would interact with us, and, and we would hear different people say different things. She would say something like, ooh, those were really ugly words. You ever, anybody else ever hear that from anybody in the South? Wow, you're being really ugly right now. And they weren't talking about your face. They're talking about your attitude. They're talking about your words. He's not being ugly here. He's, he is being careful in what he's saying. He's being humble in what he's saying. He's, he's being respectful in what he's saying. And you can see that in the words that he uses. Even when he's told no, he doesn't go off. He doesn't get all angry and upset. How about you? In your words, when you're faced with some difficulty... Not just the words coming out of your mouth, but also the Bible says you will give an account of every idle word. Do you know what that's talking about? Your thoughts. Yeah, even your thoughts matter to God. And you're like, dude, I can't control my thoughts. You're right, you can't control your thoughts. But you can control what you do with your thoughts. You can control whether or not you surrender that thought to God. Or you act on that thought. Because guess what? The words that come out of your mouth were first thoughts in your head. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So 
are you choosing careful words? And, and check this out, James 1, verse 19 through 20. We have a, a, a little bit of a, a heads up, a, 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 a this is a great idea, not just a great idea, this is something you really should practice. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Are you an angry person? Like, like is, 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 are you just an angry individual because of what's going on around you or what's happening to you or whatever, and there's just these thoughts that keep coming out of your head, and maybe you're even typing them into Facebook or whatever, and when somebody looks at your feed and they're like, dude, something's wrong with that person, um, is, is that describing you? Like, your words reveal much about your character. Careful words. And the last T, trust God with the results. Trust God with the results. What does this reveal? It reveals the heart of your character. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Daniel had to do that. He gave this this steward an idea. Test us. Just eating vegetables and water. Not sure that it would actually fatten them up. Wouldn't actually make them necessarily look healthier. They had to trust God that by doing this, instead of disobeying God, but by doing this, it was going to produce an outcome that, that was going to be favorable. And they had to trust God with those results. And as we can see, what ends up happening at the end of the 10 days, verse 15, they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who, were, who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So this eating vegetables, drinking water thing must have gone on for the three years. Remember, they were going to be in a school for three years. And verse 18 is that end of that three years. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and encanters that were in all his kingdom. And this continues on. Verse 21 is a flash forward. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. They had to trust God with the results. And we know that that continues on in their life as they trust God before they get thrown into the fiery furnace, as they trust God before the lion's den. They trusted God with the results no matter what they were. Oh, King, we will not serve you or worship your idol. We will not do it. 
Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't know this, King, we're not going to do what you are asking us to do. Daniel, stop praying. Goes home, opens up his windows, starts praying again, and they take him and they throw him into a lion's den. We're going to trust God no matter what the cost. Can I ask you a question? Do you find in your heart that you struggle Do you find in your heart worry or peace? Anxiety or peace? Fear or peace? Are you turning to God? Are you asking God to help you in your attitude? Are you asking him to give you careful words? Are you trusting him with the results? I know this stuff's not easy. But welcome to following Jesus. It's not easy. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You asked God earlier, God, speak to my heart. Can I ask you a question? What's he telling you? What's he telling you? You asked. You asked him to speak. He's been speaking to your heart in some way, some way, somehow. He's been doing it. What's he saying? Would you be willing to share that with somebody? Because here's what I believe. When you share it with somebody, when you tell somebody about it, It cements it in your heart. It cements it in your mind. And so maybe just drop a text. Yeah, get your phone out right now and text somebody and say, hey, uh, I'm in church and God has spoken to my heart and I have something that I want to share with you later. Um, Can you please connect with me later and let's talk about this. Just share that. Just send that right now. You're like, dude, we're in church. I can text? Yes, it's okay. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So you're okay. Go for it. Do it. Send somebody a text and be like, hey, this is what God is talking to me about. I just want to let you know. I don't know. And if you need somebody to practice with, my number is up on the wall. Feel free to send me a text. I'll try to respond to it as quick as, quick as I can. And I appreciate those that have been doing that. There's been every week several people do that, and I appreciate that. I really do. Um, I'm glad to be your guinea pig, test dummy, whatever you want to call me. Um, it's fine. Uh, but what's God speaking to you? What's he saying to you? Can I, can I just ask you quick to just close your eyes, bow your head? Maybe, maybe you need to ask God, God, clarify this for me. Help me. I want to hear from you. I, I want to know what it is that you want to speak into my life. But, man, there's just so much. Like, God, which one do you want me to deal with? And I, I can't tell you that. I don't want to tell you that. I'm not God. I'm far from it. But God wants to speak to you, and he wants you to obey. Are you willing to? Maybe you're here today, and, and you're realizing, you know what? I, I can't even ask God because I, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't really know him. I feel like when I'm talking to him, I, I, I don't even really even know him. So 
I need to put my faith and trust in Christ. Good. That's a great spot to start. Why not right there, right now, right where you're sitting, just go, you know what, God, I need a relationship with you. That's what I want. That's what I'm that's what I believe you're speaking to me right about is starting that relationship. So help me do that. If you know him, he's telling you, man, you need to really work on your attitude or your words. Woo. Man, you need to check that out. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But say yes. God, thanks. Thanks for your love. Thank you that no matter what, no matter what I even do with this today, whether I obey you, disobey you, you're still going to love me. But God, I, I want to demonstrate my love for you by saying yes. So would you help me to say yes? Help each person here to say yes and to do what you call them to do. Thanks for your love in Jesus' name. Amen.